There are things that go bump in the night, and we are the ones who bump back. Hi everybody, I'm Chris. I'm Brett. And welcome to Fanboy Theology, and we're here today to talk about uh, Hellboy, actually, and specifically the movie, not the comics, but uh, the, the Hellboy movie that came out in the uh, mid-2000s, and uh, it was a great movie. I actually enjoyed it. Not very well talked about in a yeah, lot of circles. I would have thought more would happen with it. Yeah, but... well, I mean, with the advent of all these comic book movies, they didn't miss the wave. They were just on the beginning part of the wave, and then just got mixed up in a huge flood of stuff because bladed just came out and yeah. all that other stuff um so now if you really look at the concept overall concept of this movie hellboy it's a demon who's catholic so <laughs> i mean yeah that seems to be a whole new can of worms to open up but I, i'm glad you noticed that fact because guillermo del toro is in fact the director of this and he's catholic so here he is bringing a faith element of him looking at his Catholicism, but then putting a new twist on it. And so just to review, uh, Hellboy uh, starts off and they're in uh, the 1940s and Hitler's at the peak of his power. and Where he's every good movie should start. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, he, he's looking for items, occultic items, because he uh, Hitler is obsessed with the occult and also had a brand of almost Roman pantheon worship, but put himself at the head to be worshipped. Um, but what's happening is Rasputin, the another character from history, back in the before the pre-communist days of Russia, he is uh, he is killed because he's a, allied himself with the previous uh, what is that kingship or what was the czar? Czar, yeah, yeah. He was technically running the country, kind of behind everybody's back and oh, wow. he was also involved with uh the wife of the czar and so yeah. there's a reason that yeah. they did all that to him rasputin this guy who's dead couple like a couple decades before the events of hellboy well here he is trying to open a gate to basically a quote-unquote hell but at the edge of the universe where the elder gods are are hanging out and that's kind of hp lovecraft cthulhu yeah and he i when we were watching it i even went what the heck why are all of the bad guys in space look like cthulhu like are we just gonna pull pages out of that every single time but so rasputin's there um we then start following this guy named broom that's his nickname he's within an allied unit who's trying to stop rasputin and these nazis from opening this portal and then ends up uh they they stop the portal from happening but not bef- and Rasputin is supposedly killed again but you just can't kill this guy as we find out later in the movie and uh Hellboy stumbles out of this portal and so he's a demon but this guy Broom takes a liking to him he takes Hellboy under his wing and Broom ultimately forms uh in America the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense which is uh there are things that go bump in the night. Well, we're the ones who bump back as a, as a line. It's a group. great tagline. <laughs> yeah, I, I want that above my office desk right now. Uh, but so they're going around and anything paranormal, they're called up. And it kind of like a Ghostbusters in this universe. And they go around and Hellboy is constantly getting out because he's he may be 60 years old by the time we drop in the next time. But in his reckoning, it's 20 years old or kind of teenage years. 
So he he's constantly rebelling, going out to see his girlfriend at the insane asylum, all that stuff. But um, what then ends up happening is we find Rasputin's back, and he starts whispering in Hellboy's ear of, I'm the one who said your first lullaby, and saying, hey, you have a destiny, and I'm back to fulfill it. All of that comes to a point in an apocalyptic showdown. Rasputin returns, he kills Broom, and uh, Hellboy's there with his new handler, and uh, we find out Hellboy's destiny by Rasputin's reckoning is to summon these elder gods once again. And he, he grows horns, he gets the crown. It's very indicative of Satan as a ruler of hell instead of one who's imprisoned. And Hellboy is then met with a choice. Does he save his girlfriend, who Rasputin has just taken his soul from, but doom the rest of the earth? Or does he try to fight Rasputin with his fists and take control of his own destiny? Well, Hellboy's handler throws the rosary that Broom would always wear and says a very awesome line that we can actually echo in our own spiritual lives of, you have a choice. Your father gave that to you. And then Hellboy opens up his hand and the cross is burned a a cross into his hand. Hellboy then makes his choice. He pulls his horns off, kills Rasputin, and is ultimately saves the day. Here he is taking his destiny by Rasputin's reckoning, rejecting it, and then making the choice to do good instead. And that's what we want to talk about today is before we were Christians, we are destined for God's wrath. However, we then, now because of what Jesus did on the cross, we now have the choice to reject that destiny and pick Jesus' destiny for us. There was a price to pay because of sin. But with what Jesus did on the cross, we now have a choice to accept an alternate fate, and that is to follow him and ultimately be with him in heaven and not be judged according to our sin. Yes, and we see parallels of that in Rasputin being, uh, I guess, the in the corner of Satanism. Here's Rasputin and magic and all the other stuff saying, Hellboy, come over here. You have a destiny. And then other corner is Broom and the BPRD going, no, you always have a choice. It's not about this destiny that you have no control over and you're just careening down the train track into damnation. It's no, come over here and choose to follow God. We're going to go into a few verses and uh, that I think are very misunderstood because of the groups that have possessed those verses instead of other groups coming up and trying to refute what they are saying those verses mean. They've just kind of like, okay, fine, you have those verses and I don't really believe it. And that first verse is Romans 9, 20 through 24. And it's, no, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does, he does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter to those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and the Gentiles. So we could take a fatalist approach to this and go, ah, At the beginning of time, God created trash cans and he created trophies. (laughs) And and that's a paraphrase. Chris is paraphrased right there. But there's certain groups of people who would look at that and then go, yeah, well, 
That means some people, they're going to hell. There's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing God can do about it. God chose for them to go to hell. And that's not at all what this verse is saying. Uh, The verse that comes after it. In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. So look at this another way, that when you think you are a trash can created by God, God, the potter, has the power to reform you into a trophy. The vessel of wrath becomes a trophy of grace. That is what this verse is explaining is, hey, your destiny that you think you have, that you're condemned to hell, that you are a bad person, like, yes, we are all bad people, but the only difference between those who follow Christ and those who don't is that we have gone, hey, I now rely on Jesus's grace. That's it. We are just as bad as people who have not chosen that fact. We just happen to have faith in Jesus. That's it. We are still marred by sin. We are still having to make every day a choice to move away from sin and into righteousness. There isn't anything different in our DNA. Well, I mean, too, with that, if it was ultimately just going to be, you're stuck as a trash can, there would be no need for the patience. You're permanently a trash can. But it points out here that God is very patient. And so that patience would indicate that he's holding back for a reason. Yes, so that more would come to him before the fire comes and we are all put into the kiln and we are made permanent, whatever our status is. But in the end, it's still our choice. Hell is locked from the inside. We can unlock the door and walk out. The easiest prison to break out of is hell. So why not break out of it? With that being said, we wanted to also look at this other verse and uh, it's located still in Romans and it's often used as another way of saying, hey, you're predestined for hell. You are predestined for heaven. Nobody has a choice in the matter. Uh, so this verse is Romans eight twenty-eight through 30 and it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these who he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So that verse, usually used as a way to say that, hey, predestination, that at the beginning of time, God said, These people over here, you, 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 and you, you individuals, you are going to heaven. You, 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 and you, you're going to hell. That's not the God I read about. This verse, if it were, that were the true interpretation of this verse, that's almost out of character for the God we've met in the Bible. I think it's just simply because we have the magnifying glass on the wrong part of that verse. And I want to specifically look at verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So, those whom he foreknew. That seems to go with that theory of, okay, you, 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 and you, you're going to hell. That's not what this is looking at. Those whom he foreknew is talking about a group of people. And that group of people are those that have chosen to have faith in God's Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's not, hey, you, Brett, at the beginning of time, I chose you. Chris, tough luck. (laughs) I hope it's not that way, but you're not going. It's just simply, hey, Chris, Brett, you are now Christians. You are now Christ followers. And now you are a part of the group that I have foreknown. 
And now put that whole sentence together. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's the other part that is usually mistaken when it's interpreted. To become conformed to the image of his son. That is not talking about justification, meaning salvation. uh, Two big words in Christian theology books is justification and sanctification. Justification being the fact that Jesus took God's wrath upon himself when he died upon the cross so that whoever believes in him no longer has to take that wrath. That's justification. That means you're saved if you believe that. Sanctification then is that continuing work that God does in us to make him more like his son. To make us more like his son. It's a thing that happens after we become Christians that God works in us and in our heart and just our habits and behaviors that as we get to know him more, he changes us to look more and more like Jesus. Yeah, holiness. We, we become more holy as we live because the Holy Spirit is influencing us rather than our own fleshly and sinful desires that are within us. So, put it all together. So this group of people who he foreknew, Christians, they're already saved. Those people who are already saved are predestined for one fate, to become conformed to the image of God's Son. We now are predestined to become conformed to the image of God's Son, meaning our sanctification is a guarantee. So whoever believes in Christ, they're going to become conformed to the image of God's Son. They are going to be sanctified one day. It's not about who is saved. It's about what happens to those who are saved. And looking back at Hellboy, Hellboy makes the choice to follow Broom instead of Rasputin's fate for him. And we are met with that choice before we became Christians. Is Do we choose what we are destined for, hell, or do we choose what God wants for us? And that's to become conformed to the image of his son. In closing, we have one job now that we're Christians, and that is to tell other people how to become Christians. And how we often do that, and what I've seen in my own life as the most successful way to do that, is to be a good person, (laughs) is to be living like Christ, to live already as if we are conformed to the image of God's Son. And it's difficult, but we have the power of God's Holy Spirit, and that's what we need to be concentrating on. We now have the choice to alter our destiny when we did not have it before we became Christians. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in us, and we need to use that in order to become better people to be a better witness to the world. We all have that choice, and it's really up to you with what you want to do with it. God isn't going to force you one direction or the other. He gives you the opportunity to make that choice. We hope uh, you got something out of this, and we look forward to uh, being with you again next time. I promise. <laughs>